So it's only three of us tonight, at least for the time being. Devin is in somebody's van being molested in Indianapolis. No. Is it, where's he at? <laughs> He's looking for Indy 500 <laughs> tickets under the table. He's working. He's working it in a van down by no, the river. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's the, they paid him to fly out there, and he's trying to, like, fuck with shit, and he's not accomplishing anything. But he's a he's a kid, so they just they keep, keep him around. around. <laughs> and, uh, the Nick rest? is in Vegas this week working, and he was expecting expected to be here, but work kind of got in the way of that. So he, there's a chance he might drop by. Can't guarantee it, but we'll see. So this week. Does anybody have any? Because without Devin or Nick, I'm I'm a little worried <laughs> that no one here did anything. Well, Rob will save us. Rob, I'm sure did something. Now related. I did something. Christ, did I... you? Did you? Are you feeling a little snowflakeish, Scott? Did I? No, I just want to make sure that because there's less of us, we're pulling more weight. <laughs> I want to have the other two guys' salary to split with oh, Rob and zero. I. That's pretty easy. Dude, that's a very easy division. division. No, don't lie. Every member of this podcast makes about 80k a year in kickbacks from BK oh, Hobbies. Oh, we? Yeah, dude. I'm just kidding. I don't know. This <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure some of us aren't making some of that kickback from? Hell, you're right. <laughs> I also, I'm sorry. I meant Helly Direct. <laughs> so <laughs> <me>. <laughs> well, I. I don't know. Maybe it's because I've been out kind of out since February due to heart surgery. I haven't seen a paycheck. So who, who, who's HR? Who do I call about that? Yeah. What is this money <laughs> thing? Uh, I think you can get in touch with uh, Mikado USA and they'll, uh, they'll square you away. I don't speak German. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that sounds um, like a problem. They'll hot glue the euros <laughs> to the top of your uh, uh, don't go there. table. <laughs> Dude, there's some salty individuals that are posting. Hey, I admit, I was... Dude, I was extra salty about that last right. week, and I've had time to cool off. But hey... Uh, but, you yeah. know, the, your, your um, point still stands. I mean, we have to mm-hmm. be... You know, not to derail whatever it is we were going to do, which I don't really think we had many plans for this episode, but th- your point stands, I, I think. And now, you know, there's there's context to it, but if you're going to charge a premium, get your shit, have your shit right before you try to sell it. I don't have a problem with yeah. that, but I also don't have a problem with 
supporting them in the hobby and and understanding that it is a and I'm kind of a fence sitter. Typically, I'm not a fence sitter, but I'm kind of a fence sitter on this topic. If I bought like a new McLaren and it had this sports spoiler on it, and I bought it, and then we found out, yeah, and then bad example. We find out Ferrari's like, oh wait, our clips, we didn't make the clips thick enough, and they break. So just zip tie your spoiler on, and then when your turn comes to get the recall, then you can bring it in, and we'll put better clips on it. How many Ferrari owners would put zip ties on their spoiler versus show up at the dealership freaking out? All right, dude, just bad, bad choice. I mean, four, five, eight, when it came out, those shits were going on fire because of wheel well glue. But to be more specific, dude, the McLaren MP4-12C first came out. They had those door handles you had to pet, right? You put your hand under and you slid your hand Mm -hmm. over it so it opened. They stopped working on the first batch of cars, right? They, They didn't work right. You couldn't get in your car. So you oh. had to get in with your key fob, but that didn't always work either. So you had to take your battery out your key fob, put it back in, click it together, and then unlock your car until they came oh, out with man. a software update to fix it. Dude, that would not work if you were about to get one. <laughs> Are you a car nerd? No, but okay. my dad had one, so. <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I had to listen to his, his Mikado rant. He was pissed, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, he was pissed. Yeah. Did they fix it? Oh, man. Well, it's just so funny that you brought that up. And I was like, actually, they had beta testing issues, too. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it happens everywhere. I get that it happens everywhere. And it sucks that it does. And it's not, it shouldn't, it well, shouldn't. Definitely where I, I, think where, the I issue. Work, where I last worked, dude. Man, oh, man. Where our customers beta testers. Holy shit. I think you've actually unlocked a reason why. Niche markets. McLaren, very, very niche. niche market. Your, your drone company, very mm-hmm. niche market. Uh, yeah. Helicopters, niche market. Does a Toyota Corolla or a Camry leave the, the factory pretty damn sorted? Usually. Yeah, usually, yep. Yeah, those high volume, you know, mass produced stuff that everyone uses are pretty, pretty like figured DJI, out by the time you get them. The DJI uh, machines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. So I think maybe that's it. It's just because we're in such a niche, low production volume market, like we, we get some beta shit. No? Yeah, Rob, you fucking douche. Yeah. Ah, people yeah. are so pissed <laughs> off at you, Rob. You're, do you realize how angry you <laughs> made people last week? <laughs> oh, well, tough shit. Yeah, man. Even I shared it on my personal page, and I, I looked at it the other day. There was some paragraph comments on there, and I was like, oh, yikes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just think Rob's totally dropped the ball on this one. That's what some guy, I can't remember what the rest of it, but he's he's off the mark on this one. And then I heard some people were like, Rob's yeah. the man. So some of that. Yeah, I heard some, some of that, of that. too. <laughs> I, I don't pay attention to him either way. Well, a little bit. I pay attention to him ju- enough, but not enough to cause any sort of movement. That's in any platform in today's internet-infested world. That's the, that's the quickest way to parking yourself up in your own brain, rent, trying to rent from yourself figuring out how to climb back out of that because you got influenced by people's either positive or negative comments. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's my opinion. And there's billions of us on the earth with our own opinions, right? This one's just mine. And, and everyone needs well, to have their own. Yeah. To be fair, the only, the only criticisms that I take completely serious uh, when it comes to the, to the podcast are the ones that are making sure that we understand Devin doesn't know how to talk right. I took those, <laughs> those criticisms very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. 
please, please, keep, sending please keep sending those to us. Fucking fucking grammar Nazis. You know you. I can't remember your name, but you're still listening because that's what you do, right? And just keep sending us more of that kind of stuff because we we get a kick out of it. We appreciate it. We'll keep getting. We hopefully we get keep getting them. Okay. Yes. Anybody do anything helicopter related so, this week? What you I did. Do, you did. I did. I did Uh-oh. a good thing. I oh, yeah. At my local club, there's this new heli guy, um, and he's never flown anything at all before in the world, and he decided he was going to buy some airplanes and buy some helicopters. Why? I don't know. Maybe his wife doesn't abuse him enough. Who knows? <laughs> no, he's he's in for it now. Um, so my club basically asks around, you know, annually or whatever. They're like, who's willing to help and give out your phone number. So I'm always like, you get a heli guy, give him my number, whatever. So this dude contacts me out of the blue. He's like, Hey, I got your number from the club. I need help. Yada, yada, yada. Um, so he was set up by someone who, uh, runs a line stuff. Um, and they set him up with an aligned T-Rex, which is fine. Cool. Awesome. Cheap platform, you know? Parts are easily accessible and they're everywhere. But they had him run the beast decks that came in the box, which it's okay. It's just difficult for a newbie. And then they set him up with a Futaba 16IZ to go along with it. And I was like, man, that is mm. that's a lot to it's chew a lot for a newbie, you know? Mm. This, yeah, for a brand new to RC person. I'm like, holy shit. He really, he really did you in for that. Um, Luckily, he was super cool with it. He wasn't too upset. Like I, I told him, look, this is this is very high end. If you want to stick with this, can't fault you for it. It is difficult. Learning curve is going to be very steep. Um, I showed him all the options. I'm like, you could do this if you want. You could do like maybe an open TX solution, which is pretty hard, but it's cheap. You know, that's fine. Spectrum, a little bit easier, more common. You know, most guys that run airplanes will run those, bind and fly, yada yada yada. And then he saw us with. V-bar stuff because at the field he showed up we all had V-bar controls and he saw me set up a helicopter in like five minutes and he's like I want that get that so we, so we hooked him up with a radio a classic I got him a Neo uh, off of a good friend of mine and I showed up on Sunday of this weekend and we got him all set up because um, we had done the B-Stex and Futaba thing and it flew whatever but it was just difficult um, but this fall this weekend we set him up with Mikado so did that, got them all scored away. Um, he was blown away with how quick it was, and he was super excited. And then it started pouring of rain before we got to test fly. So, Oh, no. Yeah, we sat for like, I don't know, an hour and a half, kind of waiting for an empty section. Um, and then it finally died down. There was a moment we could fly, so we're like, oh, oh, let's get it. Took off, flew. It went flawlessly, flew super nice. As, you know, stock V-bar settings, usually every heli flies pretty decent on it, um, assuming you, you know, choose the right heli size. Um, he was, he was thrilled. He absolutely loves that system. So we linked up two radios together, did the buddy box thing. And again, ecstatic, super happy dude. So, um, hopefully he sticks with it. He says he wants to get into airplanes now, but the club guy that does airplanes apparently ghosted him. He doesn't want to help him. So I was like, you know what? Get a Neo, slap a Neo in it, turn on V plane. It'll have, you know, all these different levels of stabilization for you to learn airplanes. Uh, we can do wireless buddy box. I'll buddy box with you and I'll teach you airplanes too. So he's super happy going that whole route into that ecosystem. So nice, dude. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. 
it's nice seeing people like fresh into RC yeah. get excited because it, it gets easier. You know, that's, that's cool. Yeah. That's a fun stage. That's uh, a fun stage of the hobby. Yeah, definitely. So I'll be hanging out with him a little bit, getting him underway. Um, other than that, my new raw came in. I need to build that. Uh, I have literally a week to build it so I can test it a week before dragonfly event or else I'll, I'll have nothing. You got to get wrenching brother. I know it's just, I don't, I got to pull an all nighter and I, I might do it Friday. So I'm thinking Friday I'll build it and then Saturday or Sunday I'll test it. Um, but yeah, I'm, there you go. Yeah. Don't let yourself get into that thought. Well, get yourself back all the way up to the fun fly and be like, Oh fuck it. I'll just finish building it at the field. That fucker done. Yeah. You know me. I'll do that. I'll fucking I bring know, the- right? That's why I brought it up, brother. <laughs> yeah. I'll bring you the kit to the field. Get shit fixed. Who's got glue? <laughs> Who's got glue? <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I did that at, uh, what was that one? The Fredericksburg one last time, Spring Fling. Dude, I brought a kit yeah. and my entire hobby table threw in the trunk. <laughs> and I'm like, we're doing it. <laughs> Get it done. <laughs> Unreal. Uh, other than that, uh, <clears throat> I got another RC car. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so, you got like 20 of playing around now, with right? that. No, I sold a ton of stuff when I realized that it was heli season again. And I had the money to buy helicopters and I sold all my helicopters to buy cars. I was like, oh, oh shit. So I sold uh, all the off-road buggies and stuff. I sold the two carpet cars, which I really regret because I loved those things. But I don't know. I was just feeling a sort of way. The the local track that I race at, they kind of shut down their on-road program for the most part. At least there was rumors of that from the owner. But Lo and behold, this month, there's more people than there's ever been racing on road. So I'm really pissed I sold them. But <laughs> over over in the Raleigh area, Smithfield area, I don't know exactly the area, but that direction over by Raleigh, um, this place called Thunder Alley, I think it's called. Um, I think it's Thunder Alley, where they do World of RC. Uh, it's like a big, huge store. They have this big Beast of the East event every year. They started doing parking lot races with these little really cheap ETO2 10 scale cars. Awesome. So I grabbed one of those. They're like 170 bucks or something ready to go. Way less investment than the other ones. So I figured I can piddle around with that and have a really good time. Yeah. Must bring back memories, Dan, right? You used to race on road, right? Nothing. I mean, it was, yeah, we did. Uh, We would set up uh, tracks with uh, pylons. And that's pretty much about it. Awesome. It was about, I don't know, it's, I don't know, 30 or 40 people, but it wasn't like... That's good. For points or for prizes or anything. It was just bragging rights. Yeah, yeah we, right. we race so we can stand in a group of three and hold one finger, two fingers, or three fingers up for a picture <laughs> yeah. that we can share on Facebook and go, look at me, I'm not dumb. Scott, so you, what you got to do is this whole season, you got to run and you got to race hard so that, and, but just precise enough so that you always get third place. So when you have to put up three fingers, you just put the ring finger down and give them the shocker every time. Oh my Lord. How much thought did that have? Just, it's weird. It's just weird, weird shit like that pops into his head and it just has to come out. <laughs> yeah the whole time you were talking about it really you got to put your hand up you got to put your ring finger down i'm doing it here in front of myself looking at my hand and going why would you want to do that and then you said oh, shocker and i was like shocker. son of a bitch 
<laughs> hey, I made you do it though. That's fucking you did. legendary. I'm sitting here in my garage doing the shocker, waiting for my wife to walk in. <laughs> <You're> walking. <laughs> Come here. I'm, I'm, you I'm practicing. This? <laughs> Rob showed me this new trick. Yeah. Tell me what you With think. With my finger. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So that's cool, man. You're gonna, you got another, you got your raw going again. So you're back into electric land. Um, so how many helis do you, are you going to have once you get that raw built? How many are built and flyable? Oh gosh. Let me count them up. Um, one. (laughs) 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 You got to make that last all weekend. Oh, yeah. but if I've you got, get it built before what? the fun fly, how are you going to make it last to the fun? Dude, I don't know. I better not get my jollies <laughs> off next weekend or it's trouble. You fucking chain it to the wall so you don't sell it beforehand. <laughs> Shit. No. But one thing that's cool, I want to try it. I'm going to try and prove a point. So my go-to motor forever has been a 4525-530, right? Yeah. So I'm going to do 4525-560 and I'm going to run it with a little bit lower pinion. And I want to see if I get more power. Because mm, something yeah. I learned with the RC cars is the higher KV and gearing it down gives you more power. Because I guess you get that torque advantage. Yes, You'd sir. rather run the, yeah, run the motor at a higher RPM and then have a gearing advantage. Because um, the motor apparently can, obviously it can run the RPM range. But it's easier for the motor to do higher RPM than it is for it to do like a very large torquey kind of like a mid yeah, yeah for sure so uh, that's what all the like mod cars or high uh, you know high kv cars are running for rc so i was like oh shit maybe it works for helis so i'll let you know if i feel like it has more power i'm pretty excited might it yeah. should in theory run cooler too because it's not oh, having yeah. to labor as much it yeah, should be cooler, less current yeah i think i don't know that's you have to let us know the science on that or if it's a fire either yeah. way it'll be a good story yeah. Cool, man. Sounds like you had a good week, yeah? Yeah, it's been yeah. okay. Can't complain. Yeah. How about you, Rob? Yeah. Uh, I, I did some stuff this week. It was fun. Just um, some, did a little flying and a little wrenching um, throughout the week. Um, picked up a, um, uh, I got a canopy for um, Urcha. Well, it's now just for any time I need it, right? But I, I got it because of Urcha. Just a 10 by 10. Uh, covered canopy, 49 bucks at Walmart right now on sale. So I'm like, shit, I'm going to get that. Um, so that's, I've got that ready uh, to go for when it's time uh, to get down there. Uh, so I was stoked about that, set it up in the backyard and made, you know, made sure I could put it up and take it down by myself if I had to, you know, it's a t- kind of a two guy thing or whatever, but um, I can still get it up and down on my own uh, if I have to. <laughs> 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 So I'm kind of stoked about that and it's blue. So it matches my Jeep and I'm a Jeep nut and I like blue. So, um, it worked out perfect. Uh, my son found a free gas grill. Some dude didn't want it anymore. So he picked that up and brought it home for me and I'm super stoked about that. So I've been grilling the last couple of days, um, on there previous to that, I had just this little, like your, uh, uh, 4th of July size, little hibachi. small, like a charcoal kind of hibachi grill kind of deal. That's all I had before that. And I just, I don't know, car, charcoal's kind of cumbersome, and my kids complain about the flavor. I, I like too. charcoal grilled stuff, mm. but yeah, man. So, but anyway, I had this great gas grill. It's way more convenient, so I had to test drive that thing, so I'm stoked about that. But um, 
he- uh, helicopter wise. Um, yeah, just um, trying to stay, you know, stay flying. It's flying season, right? So uh, getting the birds out flying at the park and um, down at that cul-de-sac that I fly at sometimes and, um, you know, having a good time, just trying to get used to uh, um, that. Okay, so I've noticed recently and i it's weird how you know how like when you're driving around in a certain car all of a sudden you start seeing that car around a lot right well i've noticed recently that in myself i'm starting to realize you know sometimes i should just go back to the like the orientations and stuff like that because there are certain things that i'll try to do and we talk about this all the time or you'll come maybe like around at you in a certain direction and you kind of just your trick falls apart or something right and it's just because i haven't really practiced uh, the the boring beginning stuff as well as I should. I mean, I know how to do all those things. I just don't have a lot of stick time. So I've been trying to practice mixing my flights up where I'm doing a little of both of those. And it's boring as hell, but um, I'm getting there, you know, just because it's fun to go up in the air and, and stick bang around. But um, I noticed uh, Scott had mentioned once when he was watching that video where I crashed it, he's like, yeah, are you doing some sort of pyro twirly thing and this and that? And it's true. Like a lot of my tricks are non, not really like they're kind of nondescript. And I think one reason is because I'm not as, um, my thumbs aren't as tuned up as they need to be to be able to complete moves as precisely enough as I can to make it one solid maneuver. So I sort of do like two thirds of a pyro flip and fall out of it, but backwards and slide into something different. Right. And, in my head, it's like Napoleon Dynamite dancing around or like an ice skater, the cross between the two. Um, but I still want to practice some of those, get back to the roots again and practice some of that stuff because I'd, I'd love to just put my heli in a ball and just pyro flip over and over in it, you know, and I can't, I'm so far from that than I was willing to admit for a long time. So anyway, this week has been a lot of that in between stuff, right? Um, and uh, I had a couple of little mishaps that happened this uh this week uh one i i just did a uh was my my thing for like low like i'm still not brave enough to do high autos yet right so for me like it's pretty much the best i ever get is like 30 or 40 feet out maybe 20 feet up coming at me at like five miles an hour six miles an hour and i'll just hit hold and glide in like a airplane sort of right so i was doing one of those and i came in a little uh low on the tail um and i tore up a set of carbon fiber tail blades and but i had a spare set of kbdds these old blue ones that were in the spare stuff that came with the t-rex 600 um so i just threw that on there um and those fly great um they're a little softer so i just have been kind of trying to tune up the tail on that um to to feel better with the blades the the stops are a little bit smoother which i kind of like but um they're really mushy so i gotta like tweak the gain or something i don't know but um, tail blades are mushy it just feels like the stops like i remember in the past um when i'd put the same length blade on and i'd switch from a carbon fiber to the kbdds and like in this case the cord is a little bit thinner too on these kbdds so when they stop it's a little bit softer stop which i kind of like that but it blows a little past where i want to stop you know what i mean it's just not it doesn't have enough authority and i think my gain is just turned way down or something um yeah, I struggle with plastic tail blades. They don't they don't hold on anything bigger than like a four fifty. They don't feel very good. They're not um, as yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. not as good. Yeah. And they'll blow out a lot more too. Like if you do anything aggressive, they'll just boom, you'll lose the tail. So 
Just you see, put that out there. No, yeah, no, you totally get it because I I've been flying with the T Rex six hundred with those on there, and um, I'll notice sometimes I'll put it up into like a, I have this thing that I can do. Speaking back to the not getting a whole trick done, I can do TikToks all day, right? As long as the heli can. Um, but I've got this maneuver where I'll do uh, TikToks and on the forward, like if the disc is facing me, like on the forward move of the TikTok where I'm leaning forward, I'll just lean forward and then just like pop it and keep going. And I'll do like two thirds of a Piro flip, which puts me back up to vertical and I'll keep TikToking right there. And then I'll just kick the Piro off again and TikTok again. Right. And I can do that both ways, stick left and like rudder left and right, which is kind of neat. But, um, I notice when I'm trying to do that with these blades on there, at the end that stop is way different and i won't be vertical i'll be like past there and i'll have to like get me back to vertical and then i can get into another one you know um so i see where you're coming from um but uh that's really the only high load maneuver i can think of where i can put the heli in that, that i can exhibit that you know everywhere else it seems to be all right but i'm pretty tame i guess i'm i know scott graham scott <laughs> you know well, I'm not am shit. <laughs> yeah, not not right now. You didn't no, shit. Oh, okay. So, and I did uh, another thing too. So, so check this one out. Right. Um, I've got this uh, little hobby rack, and it's got these various drawers. And I had stuff organized at one point where I had all my adhesive things in one drawer, and Loctites, and this and that. And I had my lubes in another drawer next to it. Right. Um, and I'm I'm at work. This is the other night, so it's the middle of the night, and I'm at work, and it's break time. So I come up here, and I, I'm I'm uh, plugging in a battery to charge it, and I'm like, just kind of oogling it. All my helis on the wall, and the goblin is on the wall, and I, you know, for the most part, I'm getting it to where I'm pretty close to where I can fly it again. I think actually, I just got to get some blades going and this and that, some uh, servo horns uh, and stuff, um, and I can talk more about that later, but. Anyway, so I'm looking at it, and I've always had this deal where the tail um, has been a little bit uh, kind of rough on the shaft, like the, the action's not super smooth, and it's been kind of dirty. So I went in there with a rag, and I cleaned it up, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to throw some lube on there and just whip that, that tail back and forth a little bit and just lube it up while I'm on break. No big deal. So I reach into the drawer, and I grab this little, little tiny uh, vial, and it says bearing on it, and I'm like, Oh yeah, okay. This this must this is my bearing loop, right? Okay, so I put a little dab on the shaft, move it back and forth. Put the dab on the other side. I'm moving it back and forth, right? And then uh, I'm like, oh, this is getting a little tougher. Maybe it's the old grease that's on there. And so I stop for a second to go grab a rag to wipe off the extra. Grab it, solid as a fucking rock, dude. I'm like, what? What? No. What? What the fuck happened? What is this? And I'm like, because uh, you know, um, you know how like you can if you articulate a servo fast enough, it turns into a generator, right? And you can impart voltage back through your system. Um, and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, was I just moving that back and forth really hard? And I just like put some voltage in the servo, and now the servo is just locked up. I'm like, did I break my servo? And I wasn't even, I didn't put two and two together yet. So I'm like popping the. Uh, link off and I'm just moving servos just fine and then I checked up the back tail assembly locked solid as a rock I'm like fuck and I look back at the container and I'm like but this doesn't make sense and I put some on my finger and I'm rubbing it and I'm rubbing it and it's getting tacky it's getting sticky in my fingers I'm like god damn it and so then I went into like uh, DEFCON 3 mode with my tail because at this point I've realized that I put bearing retainer uh 
<laughs> on the shaft and rubbed it all over the shaft and locked the, the slider up on my tail <laughs> on this heli in the middle of the night while I'm on break. And I'm like, no. And I don't know. I don't know enough about bearing retainer to like, is there a cure time where it gets even worse if I leave it? And I'm like, fuck, 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 fuck. And so I take the heli downstairs and I grab a bunch of tools and I'm down and I'm at work. And uh, lucky for me, I'm on a task at work where I'm not like locked in in the phone where just randomly a call will show up. Right. So I'm able to skip away from my desk when I have to. So I tear the helicopter tail apart to where I have just the shaft and the hub with the blade grips on it and this stuck fucking slider on it in my hand. And I'm just working the thing back, just wrenching it back and forth and back and forth for like five minutes. And I finally get the thing off there. Oh man. I go out into my, uh, little kind of a porch area where I've got, uh, it's like my pseudo garage. I fucking spray the whole thing down with, uh, uh, brake clean. I wipe the whole thing off of the fucking slider. I clean everything off and, uh, got it all back together. And dude, the action is fucking smooth as eggs. Now, man, I tell you what, it works great now, but up until that, I thought I just destroyed the whole ass of my helicopter. I'm like, fucking a dude, it's not even in the air yet. And I got to buy more parts for this thing. Fuck. Uh, but no, so it was just my ignorance. Grab the, grab the wrong thing. And it wasn't the lube. I'm glad it was just heli parts and it wasn't like a personal endeavor or something that could have been crazy. Well, pity any girls. (laughs) What'd you say, Scott? (laughs) I say, I pity any girl you've been with. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I just, I just don't keep the tiger bomb next to the, um, the Vaseline. That runs a close second to Poochie gluing his uh, finger back to, to his face. (laughs) <laughs> oh no <laughs> Those that have listened in version 2 will remember that story Pucci, Justin Pucci glued his finger to his face while he was building his helicopter <laughs> <laughs> that would suck dude mm-hmm. <laughs> try and get your whole head under the water or something to try and get it off oh. <laughs> so amidst all that I didn't actually like crash anything hard just torped them tail blades on the 600 you know and had a bunch of really good flights um, I'm actually having like right now, at least at the moment, just cause the, the five seventies on the wall, I think it, the oxy two, uh, I'm having a really good time flying those on these 1550 packs. They're too big for the bird, a little bit too big for them. Right. Um, so I can feel the weight, but because they're like the, the newest of the batch of batteries in there, um, they just hold the load really well. And so I'm able to I don't know. I'm re- really able to bang that one around a lot more than any of the other ones, it seems like, which is pretty wild. I can do things on that heli that I can't do on the bigger ones right now. Or maybe I'm just afraid to do them. The TRX uh, 600 with that 12-cell Mania X battery, dude, that, that thing's hard, pretty hardcore, you know, and I think I probably, could, I probably could push that one quite a bit harder. It's just that when you have a slight cyclic mistake, it's, a ball, it's like two-thirds of a ball field away from you or in a direction you didn't want it to be. And so I'm a little bit more reserved in the air with that, even though I go up higher. But the Oxy-2, dude, I've just been stick-banging the fuck out of that. I've been having lots of fun. So, Cool, man. That's my, that's my story of the week, and I'm sticking to it. Well, I really don't it's have... Yeah, it's a good... We love it when you do shit like that to your helicopter. Keep it up. More stories like that, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I really... Uh, I. I don't have much. I did get an ESC. Yes, oh, sir. 
200. Flat nice. 4.1. Yeah. Here's the good news. I didn't have to solder any. Because just so happened oh. that it had matching connectors. I got them. Aha, nice. So, crisis averted. They were pretty much cut to length. Must have come out of a very similar helicopter uh, because between the two, they were pretty, the motor and the SC, they were pretty much perfect in length. Uh, they could have been a little bit shorter. But um, nah. got that on and um, nothing really eventful. I haven't done much with it yet, but I did notice that uh, since I've been kind of MAA from doing anything with helicopters, uh, building especially. I, you know, I, the Kraken was kind of in a stage where all that was left was some small incidental parts, like, um, I don't know what it's called, the little tube that holds all the wires to kind of run them past everything, you know, from the front to the back. Yeah, yeah little all those little, little things like that. I fucking had no, I have no clue where any of that shit is at. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got spares. Oh. I'm sure I'll find it, but I, you know, I went out into the shed where we keep boxes. I was looking in all the old heli boxes to see if it's out there. It's got to be in here somewhere, but I've got like several helicopters that are kind of in that stage. So it kind of got me thinking I should start looking for, you know, the boxes of parts for these other helis that are kind of in limbo. And I can't really, I found some of them, but I, I suck. I guess I've lost a bunch of parts, but no, I, I just, you know, I mean, it's, just, it's the weird <laughs> stuff. It's like the, 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 uh, blade holders and the little tubes and the little extra pack of fasteners and the little antenna mount that, uh, they give you that printed 3d printed. The little, the little V shaped thing. Yeah. yeah. And, um, some of those awkward parts and, um, uh, just stuff that's still packed up from when you guys well, moved no, out. Well, no, it's just stuff that I had, but as I was not working on helis because I was sick, shit just got moved. You know, like a box ended up getting moved or whatever. I'm not sure how, but they're not here, <laughs> at least. <laughs> stay tuned <laughs> stay tuned for your impressionist art piece somebody's going to try to answer one of my questions they've ninja into your house and they have all those parts and they're probably building something right now yeah it's just it's not a um I, you know it's just small incidental stuff it's not like big parts but uh yeah i gotta i gotta get that sorted out but that, that helicopter basically i just gotta double check i gotta put the uh the neo on and i've got to uh make sure all the wiring's solid and then it's ready for a maiden i should yeah, we'll have that done probably the next weekend. No, because we're going to the Outer Banks next weekend. Coming down into your neck of the woods, kind of. Scott. So. Well, you, you're, you're well we're going me? to the Outer Banks. That's nowhere close well, to my house. It's like six hours kind away. of in your neck of the woods. Come on, keep up. Oh, wow. No, okay. I, I'm sorry. Well, you know what? I think I'm going to Vegas soon. That's kind uh, of in your neck. I would say you're goddamn right. Should I meet you there? <laughs> yeah, I'll just swing by through Canada. It's right there. No problem. It's close enough. We're going we're gonna be in North Carolina. It's on yeah, Earth. It's on Earth. Jeez. Why you got, what why you gotta be so why you gotta be so disagreeable, Scott? 
What what happened to you? Why do we never hang out if we're basically neighbors? What's that? We're basically neighbors. Why do we not hang out? I don't, I generally, I only really like hanging out with people that I like. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) Solid answer. That's why I don't hang out with many people. Oh, yeah. I'm a curmudgeon, as some people have called me in the past. A curmudgeon? Google it. Google it, bitch. Okay, I'm Googling it. What? <laughs> We're waiting. I'm I'm trying. I, I, bro, spelling curmudgeon for the first time ever. <laughs> Just can't you, you do? Right. Well, for starters, can't you do Siri? Like that's what that's what you young whippersnappers do these days, isn't it? Hey Siri, what's a curmudgeon? Oh, well, me. Are you a curmudgeon? A bad-tempered person, especially an old one. <laughs> oh, man. A curmudgeon. Yeah, word of the day. So I'm going to miss the yeah, next week. Curmudgeon. I'm not happy about that. I, I didn't realize it was happening. Um, the OCM guys are doing a, an event next weekend. I mean, I guess I knew it was happening, but um, I got I to be honest. Just fell off What's your that? radar? Just fell off no, your radar? I, you know, look... Wh- I'm actually really enjoying going camping with this fucking travel trailer that we bought every weekend. It's a lot of fun. We went to Gettysburg last weekend. Dude, it looks nice, man. Yeah, we went to Gettysburg and we rode yeah. our e-bikes around the battlefield. I mean, that was awesome. Did you, did, did you see any uh, ghosts? No, I don't really do the ghost thing, but they do tell mm. ghost stories at night in Gettysburg. Mm, yeah. Is that, is that your like jam? That? ghost battles and shit <laughs> but yeah dude no it's a, it, it's a lot of fun it's, it's comfortable it's um so anyway we're and we spend a lot of money on it so the wife is bound to fucking determine that we're going to use it and me too as well because i'm enjoying it but uh so we had planned a bunch of camping trips over the weekends over the next oh quite quite some time but we're going to north carolina next weekend and for a long weekend for a four or five day weekend and then, um, so I'm going to miss that OCM. But the good news is, is after that, this next weekend, I'm done with part-time. I'm back to work full-time. I actually got a call nice. from the heart specialist today. And they are pretty pleased with what they're seeing based on the last series of results of uh, diagnostic testing that they did. Things seem to be healing up good and um, not getting a, uh, th- those symptoms are not coming back. So I, I get dude, it That's now. awesome. Pleased with the results, not pleased to see you. What's that? <laughs> they're, they're pleased with the results, but not seeing oh, Dan. They love me, dude. They're like, oh, for fuck's sake, this guy again. Yo, oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> this curmudgeon's back again. This curmudgeon's Dude, they love me. Dude, that's really that's really awesome, Dan. New that good news yeah. is great news. You know, I know you had some hot, some like hurdles you had to climb over and it was a little spooky there for a minute. But I'm so grateful to hear that they told you that. Yeah, I mean it's um it's been a long road. It's been a long, long road and it's one frankly there for for quite some time. We weren't quite sure we were gonna get to the other side, but you know, it, it we did and uh 
here we are and I'm feeling better than I felt in a long time and um, still, still, you know, work is kicking my ass. I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, and it's not physically demanding, but it's just that, that constant, uh, it's just tiresome. Like I get home and I'm just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. You know? For sure. But it's getting yeah. better. And then I'm doing uh, cardiac rehab, which is pretty intense. And uh, we're gonna going to kind of start doing that on my own because I'm not going to be able to work and do cardiac rehab on the same day because I am at work before they open and I'm at work while they close. So, and they don't do it on the weekends. So I'm going to start figuring that out on my own, but I think I'm to a point now where we can do that. But uh, that's really about it. Looking forward to next week. Going to go spend some time in the Outer Banks and uh, see what that's all about. Wife's pretty excited. I've never been out there. Been by it, but I've never been out there. Yeah, I know, man. The show is fucked up. Hopefully, it's not like that in real life. There's a show called Outer Banks. Oh. Yeah. I've never watched it, but it looks kind of wild. Had no idea. Had no idea. Speaking of shows, though, off topic completely. Have you guys watched Ted Lasso? <laughs> uh, I've seen part, part of, parts of it, yeah. No one has seen it because it's on Apple TV. Well... A lot of people have seen it, but a lot of people, I mean, not, I mean, who needs another streaming service? But it's a pretty good show. Anyway. I've wanted to use this for so yep. long already. <laughs> can't, can't hide money. <laughs> <laughs> Apple TV, you bougie bitch. Is it bougie? <laughs> Is that bougie? Is it? I mean, yeah, I kind of, as peasants are on My Netflix. Son. And then you get the next level up, the upper middle class as Disney Plus, and then you get the Apple Disney TV Plus. guy. <laughs> the elitist. And I have yeah. Hulu. Holy and I've shit. got Apple TV and I've got Paramount. We should probably look wow, into it because I'm sure we're paying a hell of a lot more than we realize. You're probably yeah. paying more than terrestrial cable. Probably. And yeah, dude. I've got Hulu and Netflix and YouTube premium, so I don't get the ads. But not in YouTube TV, not the $99 thing, the like $20 deal, 24 bucks, and it comes with YouTube right. music. I've never heard anybody call it terrestrial cable. That's badass. So what's like yeah. Netflix and all that other stuff? Is that like extra terrestrial cable? Extra, that's, that's it's cloud. cloud TV. Oh, God, I hope it doesn't rain. It's going to rain Apple yes. TV, man, from the cloud. Damn. See, I work at an ISP that serves TV and internet and voice, so I know all these back-end terms. Mm, back-end terms. You learn all kinds of fancy words when, you're, when you hang out with Rob. I remember back in the day when I was introduced to the word Sano. Yes, yeah. Sano. Lots of builds are Sano as hell these days, and I was so proud when, because back in the day, people's the heli manufacturers, the place to put the elect wiring for the electronics was an afterthought. It wasn't part of the design consideration at all, right? So to have a Sano build was like hours worth of work, hours and hours. And now it's not as many hours of time, but it still takes effort. But Sano is where it's yeah. at for sure. I use that word often once I learned it. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> They're welcoming. Okay. I think we're going to move into some news. I don't know if we have any news. But I guess if I guess if we don't, then you won't be hearing this. But if we do, then you will be hearing this. 
You want to unhear that, Scott? Yeah, the the deep 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 Nick here. That's right. It's another remote news week, except this one is a little bit weird, as you're going to hear in a little while. I did manage to join the gang at the end of the recording after I got out of work on the West Coast. But since it was a little bit past all their bedtimes, they couldn't really hang out and listen to the news. So here we are again with remote news this week, live from Las Vegas. All right, so let's kick this off with, yes, that's right, you guessed it, Mikado. And while there's nothing official to announce from Mikado, I do want to discuss a few things going on around the Evo flywireless unit and the hot glue fix that we talked about last week. So I put a post up in the VBAR control group to ask if the fix has resolved issues that anyone had prior to doing the fix. So the good news is, is that it's largely fixed all of the undesired behaviors, the random tail kicks, etc. Uh, reported that they had gone away and they had the locked in heli you would expect uh, running a flywireless from Mikado. Now, there was one person who reported a crash post-fix from a sudden elevator input. And I'm not saying that wasn't caused by the Evo, just that we have to remember that sometimes these things can be anomalies, or things caused by something entirely different, like a faulty servo, or a servo wire shorting out against the frame, or any number of other issues. So as you hear about folks in small numbers still having issues, just use your critical thinking and know it might just be something else altogether, or it could be the Evo. All I'm saying is don't rush to judgment. I'm encouraged by the results, though, enough that I'm going to put one on my electric raw as well as my raw nitro and see what happens. Again, I do run the Doug Darby metal cases as well. That's all I have to say about the Evo for now. It's just encouraging news so far coming out of the field. Uh, and a lot of folks actually reporting that their Evos have flown great out of the get-go without the fix. Uh, and obviously, those are probably helicopters that are either running lower head speeds or don't exhibit the vibration in that key frequency that was causing the problems. All right. Let's talk about something else for a change, eh? Sorry, I've been around a Canadian uh, TV crew all week and it's really starting to affect my speech. So, Goose Guy announced their updated version of the RS4, the Goose Guy Venom, with some upgrades on it some time ago. But uh, they kindly sent over a little comparison sheet between the new Venom and the RS4. So let's take a look at that and discuss some of the major differences. The biggest difference is that the Venom will not come both in a combo version and a kit version. It only comes in a kit version. Now, the Goose Guy Venom came out of working with the team pilots such as Ben Storick and Jamie Robertson and others who've been beating the snot out of the Venom. They suggested a variety of possible upgrades that may make it perform a little better, and thus the Venom was born. So, the biggest differences is the Venom is now compatible with any brand of servo in the right size. So you no longer uh, have to use the Goose Guy servos. If you prefer KSTs, for example, uh, you can certainly use those. It does include the motor, although it is an upgraded motor with more performance over the stock RS4 motor. So if you're looking for a little more RPM, a little more grunt, a little more torque, uh, the motor will be upgraded. It also includes uh, motor protecting braces that we're starting to see a little bit on these pancake motor helicopters. So 
two sort of brackets on either side of the motor to help protect you. It does include main and tail blades. It will not include a flight controller or an ESC. You'll have to provide both of those. Uh, you will provide your own servos and battery, and obviously it won't include the Bluetooth module without Goose Guy's flight controller. Uh, some upgrades they did. They've adjusted the servo linkages and layout uh, such to make 3D flight a little more smoother. Uh, certainly a little better mechanical pitch advantage uh, and improved things there. There's also a slightly larger battery compartment space. Uh, the maximum compatibility for battery size is 115 by 50 by 37 millimeters. If you want to plot out what batteries you can fit in here, uh, they reinforce the fuselage structure just a little bit, make it just a little bit more tough for those flying at the ragged edge who stuff it into the ground. And they changed the helicopter canopy a little bit, gave it some kind of aggressive styling, some new colors, uh, and changed it up. So if you're in the market for a higher performance 380 size helicopter, definitely give this a chance. All right. And with that, that's all I have for the news this week. Believe it or not, that's it. It's kind of a slow news week in the helicopter hobby. We can't have lots of new toys every week after all. So signing off from Vegas, and we'll catch you at the end of the episode. That was the news with Scott. I was Scott. That was the news with Nick. <laughs> that was less news than the other weeks that he does those. But um, it's good to hear his voice. Yeah, I had no idea how he directs was doing yeah. though. Oh shit, right? <laughs> it is just nuts. I mean, how long has it been since we've heard about Heli Direct in the news? Been a, uh, I don't know. Been a minute, hasn't it? What, uh, a week a at week? least? A couple hours, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that thing with Nick Maxwell, unbelievable. Mm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. just crazy talk right there. Do good. Do good. Those one things they said uh, when they made that uh, thing. Yeah. And it's totally better, now. better now. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I think that, I love, um, I love that. I'm pretty excited to hear what Heli Direct is up to next week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm, yes. Sale on sale. On sale on sale. Okay. So this week, guys, we just kind of pulled a topic right out of thin air um, because it sparked a bit of conversation kind of in our in our, our uh, Facebook group, our, our RCHN Facebook group. And on the interweb. It kind of lit some fires and that I've, uh, you know, I kind of like that. So we're going to kind of, we're going to, we're going to explore that a little bit. Okay. We're going to stoke them. Does anybody have the exact, can we, does somebody have... The exact post so we can read it. It says here, and well, this is in the RC Helicopters group. This one says, yeah. auto level, banking, angle limit, and position hold are minimum requirements for a beginner RC helicopter. Apparently, there's like hundreds of comments on that thread, and there's all kinds of opinions both ways. So, I have an Damn. opinion on that myself. What's I your guess. opinion, Rob? Yeah. So, um, I think when I first, very first started flying helis, the way a person tried to describe it to me in a way that I could understand because I'd never done it before was he said, imagine taking a smooth bowl and flipping it upside down and putting a marble on it and trying to keep the marble on the back of the bowl. That's flying RC helicopters, you know, moving that cyclic around and, uh, and this and that. Right. 
And so it was pretty daunting and scary kind of a thing for me. And there is there was never any technology to assist with that. So back then, the only way to do that was you had to create a mechanical trainer, right? You'd put the four sticks with the balls on the ends, right? So that if you tip too far, it'll just catch there and keep the heli from destroying itself. And it's super cumbersome and slow to learn, you know. But one thing that I feel like I learned go by going through that process of overcoming my fear and really like there's enough adrenaline. I mean, there's always going to be adrenaline running when you're flying these things, but my focus was a lot more, you know, at the time. So I had this particular like respect for the machine from the get go right out the gate. Right. Um, and I feel like some of these training assistants, while it is true that we'll get a person up to at least doing circuits and this and that faster I tell you what, if a, any new pilot leaves that on any longer than it takes to learn how to do a circuit, you're going to just be, you're going to be building in this mental and uh, muscle memory crutch that will be so hard to overcome that it will just, that next phase of your development will be unlearning something so that you can start learning, right? Yeah. So I feel like there's value in having some of those tools, but in a huge amount of moderation and only, only at the very beginning, the window of opportunity to get a benefit out of that is like the first maybe 20 flights, 30 flights, right? If, if, um, okay, maybe a little bit longer than that. Cause you could do 10, 20 flights of just hovering, right. You know, to get your orientations. I understand those things. Right. But I don't know. I just feel like there'd be dragons there. If people are just left to their own devices in that mode, and then they're, they've been flying in there for a year. They're probably hardly, it's going to take so long to learn how to fly the normal way, I think. The drone world, we were all warned in the drone world at the very beginning, if you want any chance of flying freestyle, start flying in acro mode right off the bat. You know, don't, or in rate mode, sorry, right off the bat. Don't fly it in that auto level mode, right? Um, if you want to do it just to get, kind of skate around a little bit to get used to how the drone flies and stuff like that, fine, but turn it off as quick as you can comfortably feel and turning it off, you know? Um, and I didn't take the time to read all hundred of those comments, you know what I'm saying? But I know that people are really adamant in both directions. And I feel like I'm, I'm like a, I'm like way right of center as far as conservative goes, um, but I'm not like, far right there. You know what I'm saying? I just use it a little bit because you got it. It's a cool new tool. You don't have to put the sticks on your heli or anything like that. And you probably will have a few less crashes. But if you if you park in there any longer than necessary, you're just going to mess up the whole experience later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that's my, that's <clears throat> I, my opinion. I agree with that. And also, look, I, I wasn't a big fan of the sticks and the wiffle ball approach either on the skids. You, <laughs> I didn't like that. No, nah, I only did like two of those, and then I shed those and learned to hover and land just on the regular. Uh, you skids. know, I look. I, I don't know. Bigger I, look, a bigger machines. Like I started on a JR five fifty nitro. We didn't really. We I guess there were some smaller helis at the time, but they were sh absolute shit. Um. Yeah. You know, yeah. I always felt the best way to get comfortable with a machine. Look, you don't have to get it in the air and just start trying to bang shit out, right? It's just not that big of a deal, I don't think, to get a machine 
once you've had somebody check it out, make sure it's safe because as a new person, you may not know if it's safe. So obviously maybe that's a good first step. Make sure it's mechanically sound. But I just don't think it's a big deal to shed all of that stuff. The training balls included. I, I just, I never did like using that shit. Just get it in the air and just learn to hover in one spot. You know, get comfortable moving it around. Why do you need angular yeah. limits? Why do you need at that level? Why do you need stabilization? I mean, if I think you might be trying to push it a little too far, a little too quick, if you feel like you need yeah. that at that level. Right. And then once you can learn, once you do know how to control the helicopter, obviously, if you're still using that kind of shit, you're crutching yourself, you know, you're handicapping yourself. Unless it's, look, there, there might be an application, maybe, maybe you're doing some aerial photos where, you know, you're not interested in 3D and you just want the stabilization because you're doing some video work with your helicopter. I don't know, they don't use video helicopters very often. For AP work, but they do on occasion. And I think, okay, there's an application where it makes sense, but you're using it as a tool. You're not just out having fun with it, right? You've, you've got expensive equipment. Yeah, on it. It's a mode. You know, it's making money for you at that point. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it is, but I just have never been, you know, in today's, in, t in today's heli selection with so many good, small helicopters that can, pound themselves into the ground multiple times with very little damage, if any damage. You know, the Logo 200, the OMP. I mean, with these small helis that can just mm -hmm. fly really well, but, you know, why? Would you need the exp added expense of adding stabilization to beginner bird, right? Yeah, this is, I mean, some come with it for free. Do they really? Who, who does that? Oh, well, like in the brain, the brain that's well, in the okay, brain. Okay, you're right. You know? Okay, like, you're right. Stuff like that, you know what I mean? But so at a rudimentary level, they even have that. That's right. It doesn't work effectively enough, but they have the rescue mode that's supposed to flip it over upright and then climb that's out. That's a different you know? problem. Um, I actually don't have a problem with rescue mode to an extent. Yeah, yes. within reason. I, I got within some reason. my yeah. opinions for my turn. All I know is I, I saw them, I turned them on once. I tried it and then I turned them all back off. Like fuck that shit, dude! I'm not doing any of that auto level or rescue I mode. I did play Helio with a with a it. brain or an icon. I can't remember which one. Same thing, essentially. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, I did remember I had a listener send me a goblin that had it. And he wanted me to fly it, so he sent me his machine, and I just thought it was the weirdest damn thing um, that auto level stabilization mode that it had, right? It just felt mm -hmm. so unnatural yeah, it's weird. for a helicopter. But anyway. Yeah, right. That's the thing. Yeah, for hel helis don't feel like they're supposed to react that way. And, and you know what, Dan, though? The thing is, you and I are coming from a perspective of like, uh, we learned our brain and our fingers, you know, they learned a whole different way. So it doesn't even fit in our consciousness for the heli to uh, operate in that way. So maybe these new guys coming up with fresh minds, they come in, you start with auto level to that person. That's just how it is. Cause that's the first way they learn it, you know, and then they have to unlearn that to learn how the normal way a helicopter is supposed 
the way it was designed to operate, you know. I don't so. think you're just hindering, you're, you're, you're hurting your abilities to really understand how yeah. a heli reacts because that's not natural, right? Right. But Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's like you, you didn't learn that orientation like you're saying. It's that control level they don't have, but there's, there's something you touched on that I think is very critical to the whole conversation is that respect for the heli thing. Um, there is definitely a level of, oh my God, a level of fear, a level of, I'm not sure I have control over this and it's a little scary that I think is really important to have that, you know, level of respect for a helicopter. Um, you can argue that, you know, on a 450 or a 250 or whatever, a smaller size helicopter, it's not that big of a deal. They still hurt you. But if you believe you can put a, you know, a 600 or a 700 in an automatic hover, and everything's peachy. I think you got another thing coming pretty much. Mm. You're going to, you're going to learn the hard way. And I see these videos of these people like marketing these systems at auto fly helicopters. Well, they'll bring it up in a hover and this dude to the camera will walk clean around it really close to it. And I'm like, I would never, ever, ever trust the mechanics, the mm-hmm. electrical systems, the gyro system that's on it. None of that. Like it's not that safe to, yeah, to yeah. walk around with it out of your control. Right. What if the tape let go? Yeah, that or what if the it lost a satellite, got confused, like uh, I don't know, somebody made a mess up in the software and you just came across that bug. At that moment, your hands are off the radio, you're not flying and that thing goes ape shit. What are you going to do? Yeah, it comes right at you. 700 yeah. size blade disc. Oh god. So there's a respect level, so I'm glad you mentioned that cuz literally as you were saying it, I started typing it out and I was like, "Yes, yes, yes." That's <laughs> like, the most I fully important. Agree. I feel like, you know, when I came back into the hobby, don't get me wrong, okay, because um, all the listeners out there, don't get me wrong, like, I still believe that there's a huge amount of respect for our hobby. There's, I mean, it takes a lot to even get to a place where you can build and fly one. It's a very respectful thing, you know, it's very, um, you know, kudos to anybody that can do this, you know what I'm saying? And that's not what I'm trying to say, but what I will say is I feel like there was a particular deep reverence for the complexity and danger that was underlying the hobby that everybody as a group, as a hobby community worked together to find creative ways to suppress those feelings in order to have this adventurous feeling of enjoyment and entertainment and achievement. And in today's world, it's more like plug and play, juice me up and then rinse and repeat. And that that, there's that, deeper connection somehow has been synthesized out of this whole thing. Maybe I'm seeing that wrong. Maybe I got too much woo in me. I don't know. No, the instant gratification they're hunting for. It's like they want to build a helicopter and they want to see it fly immediately. Yes. You know, at a semi-proficient level that's not due to their own learning or abilities Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And you miss out, like you said, on that whole excitement period of the hobby where like it's, it's difficult. It's exciting. You get this rush, your knees are going, you know, you're shaking like that. That is a cherishable thing. Like don't lose that. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or even just, you know, you think about the soft skills that are gained from uh, being able to manage your emotions, right. Or deal with, uh, these deep critical thinking problems that you have to do when you run into a nefarious issue on your heli. And now those kinds of things can still happen on some level now. Um, but back in the old paddle, you know, paddle and uh, 
you know, um, mechanical head days and stuff like that. There was just all of these milestones that people could achieve, pat themselves on the back for, and you gain those opportunities to have these attaboys, I think, much more often than you do now. Mm-hmm. You know, the conversation's kind of morphing a little bit, but I feel like the fact that auto level is around and that we're having such a heavy conversation about it is a symptom of this larger thing that I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that part of it. Um, and I, I'm worried about, like I said, instant gratification. You're, you're, not, you're not getting the most out of the hobby and you're kind of cheating yourself out of it. And then there's the, you know, the, the fact that you're kind of giving yourself a crutch and you're learning the wrong way, which, which I'll touch on again. But uh, someone I was talking to online was trying to compare it to driving a car. And in my opinion, that example they gave actually lends itself perfect to this argument because it, it proves why they shouldn't do this. So their argument was that people don't have thousands of hours to dedicate to learning to fly and not everyone has the time to, to try and get those skills down. Um, for starters, it really doesn't take thousands of hours to learn how to hover or to learn how to do circuits. Like maybe a month or two of, you know, hovering around on the weekends and you could pick up a lot of skills very quickly especially if you use simulators. Right. Simulators these days, bar none, are better than anything we ever had in the past. You could grab a sim, play with it for a month, and you could fly better than some of the sponsored pilots that you see around. Like it's, They're that good of a tool. Um, so their, their argument was that you could learn to drive in like, let's just say 20 hours of you know, behind the wheel to learn how to drive adequately. Um, and my argument was that it takes about the same amount of time to learn how to fly proficiently as far as upright and, you know, hover about, you know, we're not tearing at, you know, 50 miles an hour around banked angles and stuff, but we're hovering and we're, we're controlling it. We're, we're not as scared of the model at that point. Um, and then I hit him with, with, would you trust someone brand new? So because we're talking driving, let's say like a 14 or 15 year old, no license, not driven anything, pretty new to it. All right, so give them an autopilot, auto-driving Tesla. You can argue that's the same thing. It, it's, you know, instant gratification. It drives itself. So would you trust your child in that Tesla to go drive on a road trip for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes, not having the ability to drive and step in if something goes wrong with autopilot? Do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea? It's a bad idea. That's a great analogy. What was the response? Uh, it didn't respond to it. He started saying that it takes, you know, thousands of hours to learn to fly 3D, but uh, he kept hanging on to this 3D mindset. And I'm like, I'm not talking 3D. I'm talking basic rudimentary control of a model. So you don't hit something, lose it, you know, kill a dog, whatever, like shit happens. So in my eyes, like, yeah, it's great. If I already know how to drive, dude, I love the idea of autopilot. Hit a button, it drives me to work. Titties, not a big deal, but is it enjoyable? No, definitely boring. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm not doing this for a job and I'm not commuting with a helicopter. So I'm doing it for the, the, the certain level of difficulty slash input. Um, it's kind of the entire point of RC. I mean, this entire hobby is designed for giving the user control over a model that's months flying. Um, if you take that away, it's not really RC anymore. It's just autonomous yeah. vehicles, which is right, an right. entirely different hobby not what we're doing it for. Uh, so then I guess he got a little, you know, set back and forth because I, I uh, had mentioned this, the autopilot thing, which you never really grasp onto. 
But, you know, he hit me with the, well, what do you propose? What's your idea for it? Um, and that's fine. That's totally valid. So if I don't think it's a good idea, what's the solution? So something I really like is the whole Mikado approach that they do with that new Logo 200, where you have this safe bubble where you can, yeah, it can take off on its own because that part's a little sketchy. It'll hover, then you can take over. And then it's like flying a real helicopter within the safety net window. So you can bank, you can do whatever, you can, you know, hover near the edges. Then if you get too far out of whack, it hits the brakes and brings you back to the center uh, and then gives you back control. I think that's fantastic because like Rob said, you're not learning on this auto level mode that that brings you back to neutral every time and and takes away the the skill required to control the helicopter. Because um, I don't know if maybe people are listening, don't know what auto level is. Um, it's where if you push the cyclic stick forward and then let it go, a normal helicopter would tilt forward and stay tilted and continue to fly forwards, right? Well, auto level, the second you go back to neutral, it'll level out flat again and it'll start slowing down. It'll stop flying in essence. So these people learn this, you know, visual to mental to hand input that to fly forwards, you hold that stick forwards all the time. And I have seen countless people that have learned on auto level can't fly in, you know, a standard or acrobatic mode because they can't get over this muscle memory of holding the stick a certain position. And I watch them just plow helicopters in on a regular basis because they, they go back to that you know, muscle memory, what, what do you say that the subliminal control that we always talk about, like our, our episode, we discussed like learning difficult things and like ironing out areas you're not comfortable with. Yep. Your brain makes this connection where it makes your thumbs or fingers move yeah. in the direction that's expected in, you know, either an emergency moment or maybe a situation where you get a little nervous, you revert back to these like natural habits and they start doing this with the stick and they just plow that shit in the ground. Yep. Or you get a lot of forward flight dolphining like crazy, like up, down, up, down, up, mm. down, because you can't find it because um, yeah. you don't realize you just have to leave it. And dude, I totally agree. And you brought up a great point talking about the synapse to muscle fiber, hardwired kind of connections that you build at the beginning, right? And new pilots, all of you have to understand that none of this has to do with, you know, like, steering anybody towards or away to from any sort of product or style of purchasing decision or anything like that it's all about a, a flying characteristics and learning right you must understand that auto level it's marketed as this tool that will help you to fly the helicopter it can get you out of sticky situations because you can just let go and it just kind of goes back to a hover and stuff and while that is true right like what scott mentioned um in the Uh, in the beginning stages of anything in life, when you're learning, your brain goes from absolutely no cognizant awareness of that topic or task to building this subset of knowledge about how to perform or relay that task again. And that includes all these base level things. Like when you're flying and and all of a sudden uh, it's in a particular orientation that that default click is supposed to happen and your brain is supposed to engage with your thumbs and write the helicopter because you learned how to do that from the beginning. You built those hardwired, essentially your hardwired autopilot that you're building in the code in your brain for yourself. And if you hack that code by letting something else do it for you, essentially we could call it installing an app in your brain, which is this auto level on your flight controller to do it for you. You just won't be able to learn it as effectively or as thoroughly later. 
And that's what I was trying to say before. And Scott, that's a perfect reason why that would happen. Because you know, those hardwired skills got learned the wrong way. Exactly like the drone world, because this technology really came about through drones for the most part. I mean, I know Helis did it back in the day, but the drone world perfected, you know, the auto level, the horizon mode, all that stuff that they do. And there's so many pilots that started out that way and learned in auto level mode. And I, I used to fly drones and I know a bunch of them and they'd always be like, man, I wish I could fly in acro mode, but I just can't do it because my fingers just don't do it because they learned in auto level. And a, a large number of them say, I wish I never used auto level because now it's so much harder to learn. Right. And I also think that kind of a, maybe the, uh, another way to look at it is, you know, we talk often about skipping the basics, right? And, and then wondering mm -hmm. why you get to a certain level of your progression and you just can't get past that, past that hurdle. Well, you're intentionally, yeah. I mean, you're, you are interjecting, intentionally interjecting, skipping the basics. I mean, it's not like you're just yeah. kidding yourself. Yeah, I got this. I, I can hover nose in. Sure, I can hover inverted nose in. I can do, you know, you can't, you can do it, but you can't really do it. You're not just kidding yourself. Yeah. You are literally. You can't do it by yourself. You are literally yeah. skipping it. And at some point. And that's a really. Nobody that's flying 3D, hard 3D, is interested in this. Yeah. You can't fly F3C with it. You can't fly F3N with it. You can't fly scale with it. You can't fly 3D with it. It's it's designed for like, you know, out of the box, pre-built helicopters. And they want to sell a bunch of them. So sell them to people that don't know how to fly. It opens up the market to other people. But you hit a nail, another nail on the head with that comment about skipping the basics intentionally. You end up in a spot where what is your motivation to go back and learn it right? Because here you are, you can kind of fly. Your helicopter goes up, putts around. You're forever locked at this, you know, really basic beginner uh, flight envelope. But to go back is really hard. And it's so easy to just flip the switch and, you know, I can fly again. I'll, I'll turn it off next weekend. It's, it's one of those things. It's just too easy to just do it mm. tomorrow. Yeah, fall back. Yeah. Yeah. And you will never, ever, ever progress. So you literally set a glass ceiling for yourself in the hobby that I will never be more proficient than a beginner. Now, for, uh, like, uh, you know, there are folks out there that aren't um, hobby enthusiasts, but are helicopter enthusiasts, right? And they don't want to go into, like, all of us are balls deep into workbenches and charging and tools and all the things, right? Um, so, for one of those kinds of people out there that just want to buy something that's, a, oh, neat, it's a helicopter that's flying around, and they're just kind of tooling it around here and there. I think that's a perfect market for that. Um, kind of like we've seen some of these micro scale builds that have like the auto level built in and stuff like that. And it's for somebody that their goal isn't to move forward. But if your goal is to be a hobby oriented helicopter pilot, like you would be a hobby oriented car enthusiast or plane enthusiast or something like that, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I don't think this, you know, in, this in between product is the right product to add to your arsenal, you know? Yeah. And I think that question then is a different subject. I mean, we're not, we're not talking about the RC heli hobby at that point. That's just, you know, you're playing with a, a toy. It's not toy a real hobby grade right. thing, you know? 
and I'm that's okay too, right? Because it's just yeah. adults and and you know kids and stuff having fun with electronics. And but put it in the right place. Don't don't try to equate having auto level enabled on your twenty five hundred dollar helicopter as somehow leveling yourself up past some norm. No, no, yeah. that's it's it's a perspective, and it might be a psychological perspective, but that's the point because it all the core of all of this exists inside your brain and your brain's ability to actually handle the thing. So, yeah, and then there's the fact too that is the technology 100% surefire right. reliable? Uh, I don't <laughs> think so. I mean, I've seen plenty of people boot up a flight controller the wrong way and move the helicopter, or God forbid, there's too much vibration and the thing loses its mind. So. It's not like it's going to save your heli 100% of the time. There might be times that you don't know how to fly. You take off, and that thing just goes nuts. Good, good fucking luck. You can't fly. Sure as shit can't save it. <laughs> and if you go into it realizing that that might be a feature of something you, you bought, like I have a scenario with my Oxy 2 that's got the brain on it, Mm-hmm. And um, I have a switch on my radio still in like programmed where if I wanted to flip the switch, it would put the heli in auto level. But for everything that I've tried to do, there isn't anything that I can do to stop about a 15 degree to the left and a 10 degree forward tilt every time I turn it on. So it's not actually, it's auto leveling to that global perspective, no matter what. I, I can try to arm the heli even banked back in inverse to what it's doing still does it right and so and i've tried all kinds of stuff but if a person's coming in thinking they're just going to put something together and program it and go yeah 95 percent of the time it'll work but if you're one of those rare cases that runs into a situation like that where you can't resolve auto level not leveling your heli the right way you're going to have to learn how to fly it regular so understand that um that's something that you're going to have to be willing to shed almost immediately or shortly after you have got the heli in the air and you get comfortable you know don't treat it as a, a lifelong feature of your helicopter. And yeah. I feel like, you know, some of the sentiment in that thread was that more importance should be placed on using it than I think is responsible. So all this, you know, all this conversation kind of leads around to another aspect of the, the you know, it's not quite autonomous flight, but, you know, something that's been around. I've used it personally. Um, it's saved a couple of helicopters and that's the auto rescue uh, momentary switch on the V control. I've used it twice that I can remember, and it saved two helicopters from an absolute piling one right. gasser and one Goblin 570. I'm to the point now, though, that I have not used it in ages, literally years. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I, I have been, whenever I upgrade the Neo, I have been buying rescue. Just because I'm like, ah, fuck Ooh. it, you know. It's a pure. <laughs> oh, hold on, whoa, 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 whoa! Can't hide money. <laughs> Twice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're not talking a lot of money here, Scott. <laughs> it's like a hundred bucks. Hundred bucks to upgrade it. Oh no, yeah, it is. it's like hundred forty dollars or some shit like that. Nah, that's pro software, dog. Pro rescue well, is more bucks total. Oh. Elaine listens to this, yeah. doesn't she? Yeah, it's 40 bucks. <laughs> My point is this. I don't have a problem with that. I don't, and, and I don't, I've used it. It saved a couple of crashes, so it's saved me money in the long run, I do believe. But I don't know that I, I don't use it. I don't know that I'm going to continue do, going down that road because I just do not use it. Um, 
I don't know. I, I, how many Neos have I purchased since this? You know, it's hard to say. 10, 15 over the yeah. years, maybe. I don't know. Uh, $1,500 in rescue software. That's a lot, isn't it? I feel like if you buy it once, you should be <laughs> licensed in for every one of them, right? I don't know. Uh, there's a small part of me that thinks that it's such a relatively small market of people that buy it. Let's just say half that, I don't know, companies need money. We want our hobby to keep going. Not that pay for it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I've, to me, it's, it's like a peace of mind. It's kind of like buying insurance. You know, you're, you know, there's most likely you're not going to need it. You're never going to use it. But God damn it, if you do need it, you're going to be going, why the fuck didn't I buy it? You know, because I probably could have saved a crash. Maybe. Yeah. Well, usually when you do need it, you hit hold by accident. You don't actually hit rescue. <laughs> yeah. You kind of got to train yourself <laughs> in the rescue switch, don't you? Yeah. Son of a <laughs> I don't know. It's, and, and look, it's like, uh, it's like anything else. Uh, ultimately, this is a hobby, right? And, and it, it's, uh, you know, it's your hobby, right? So obviously, you know, do what you want to do in, in your hobby. But um, this is just, a, you know, opinion is a, a of three douchebags here on a podcast. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. <laughs> could be right. Could be wrong. Yeah. Who knows? But, um, for us, yeah, we feel it's right, <laughs> you know, but it may not be right for you. Yeah. I got some not strong opinions. It's a little bit more loose than auto level. Um, my major thing is I think there's a time and a place and a, a correct way to use it without being a, a quote unquote douchebag and you know make it more dangerous um because everyone thinks rescue is flip that switch and you're golden it's not going to crash not going to hit anything not always true sometimes you hit that switch and that bitch flips inverted and goes straight into the ground just vibration issues software issues whatever stuff stuff happens yeah those Um, are the stories i've heard of yeah and it's it's you know it's scattered out you hear about it because it's such an outlandish event people you know broadcast it um, but in all actuality, people use rescue every day and it works, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but what you need to be careful with is the act of flying outside of your skill set and comfort zone too far. Um, there was a gentleman, you know, no names or anything, but at my local field and he always flew with rescue on, I guess he had jetty and I think it was spirit. Um, <clears throat> and it has this feature where if you let go of the sticks, uh, for a certain duration, the auto levels. And then you get back on the sticks that allows you to start flying again. Well, this guy would fly three or four levels outside of his comfort zone uh, and well out of his, you know, exit recovery, save the helicopter zone because he knew he had rescue. He had this imaginary safety net that, you know, would, would cause him to just do outlandish shit and mm. then let go of the sticks and hope for the best. And uh, there was yeah. a period in time where he slammed into our shelter at our heli mm. event. Uh, or at our, our heli area at the the field, and it was a big deal. It was a six fifty or something, a big size helicopter where the cars park and everything. Yeah, and oh. I was pretty upset. Um, they ended up giving helis a bad name, and for right. some reason, it got put out there that you know the three D guys did it, and I'm like, no, none the of us did this shit. Did that shit. Yeah, yeah, it was heli rescue, is, bro. Yep, one of two gentlemen, one of which flies an auto level, the other one flies permanent rescue mode. Uh, they're the ones that have contributed the most set of blades and parts at that field, uh, which 
it sounds crazy, yeah. but those two guys, because they never learn, have destroyed their shit way more than any of us guys that are, you know, flying 3D and trying to learn, you know, the the classic way, if you would. Um, but right. yeah, again, it's just it's time right. and place and the way you right. use it. Um, there was another guy that that everyone I'm sure is familiar with uh, that would show up to some events. He went to like RCHO, he went to Spring Fling and stuff. Super enthusiastic. Um, but he would fly 3D maneuvers with rescue. He'd use rescue in his maneuvers. So he would like pure flip or pirouette really hard. He'd stir the stick until it was upside down, then hit rescue while still holding the the rudder, right? And that would make it pure flip back up straight again. And then he'd pure flip it upside down and hit rescue again. Pure flip it upside down and hit rescue again. Because he couldn't do the maneuver, but he'd abuse rescue to try and get the job done. Yeah, and, for the second half of the trick. Oh, geez. Yeah. And there was a point in time where he sent it clean past the flight line because rescue sent it that way. Um, that's definitely the wrong way to use it. Um, yeah, that's some scary shit right there for sure. Yeah. Now, see, okay, so had that same pilot not had rescue mode provided or was available to him in his purchasing decisions, would have just by process of elimination had to go through those experiences that would have gave him the respect and fear of the machine to the point where he would have never been trying tricks like that to whatever would cause situations like that. Or like the other guy was hitting the fence or hitting the shed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because the respect, the, the core respect that I believe is required by all helicopter pilots in order to engage in this hobby is missing. The yes. more you add these things on top. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, he just didn't have the respect for it, so he'd throw it into these insane maneuvers. And oh, yeah, it, it's just again abusive with that. Now, it's a great, great thing to use if you're using it correctly. Let's say that you fly like maybe one uncomfortable level past your abilities. So let's say that you're learning backflips, and oh gosh, I'm gonna go turn it nose in now. I'm not gonna do a backflip. A little bit sketchy. You've done them before, but it's in a different orientation this time something might go a little wrong. So mm-hmm. in that aspect, you know, you, you do a flip, you're in a safe spot, you're ready to catch it kind of thing, but it goes pear-shaped. Hit rescue, levels out again, then you take control and right. bring it back to where it should be. 100% perfect. That is a learning tool. It's helping you. But like the dude that always flies with rescue, that's bad. You're never going to learn. I just, yeah. I got this what? funny visual because I, I, I got to admit, <clears throat> when you when you started talking about that, I'm sitting here going, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, dude, that's a that's a fucking good idea. I could do that. I could and then, <laughs> then all of a sudden this, this visual popped into my head with me at the flight line and you know, 10, 15 guys, you know, 20 feet back at the canopies where we're going, just <laughs> listening to my radio, rescue on. <laughs> rescue on. <laughs> Rescue, start, rescue, and like, what the fuck is he doing in flight? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, damn it, shut up, you're putting on my cover. Yeah. Like, wow, Dan's really, but yeah, you'll, made you'll some never... progress. Look at him whip that fucking helicopter around. He's an animal, turn the volume animal. down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's again, it's a crutch, totally. it's, it's gonna keep you from learning. There's a, a phrase that people use all the time, you know, burn the ships. Take away your, your back out plan. Take away the ability or the method in which you could revert back to an easier solution. And if you always have the ships there, a.k.a. rescue, auto level, 
there's no drive. There's none of that fear or motivation to make you learn to be a better pilot. It's like, I'm good enough. I'm here. I'm at a remedial flying level. And that's it. That's where you stay. Um, yeah, you're not popping wheelies with training wheels on. Exactly. What's taking you so long? Nick Wisdom. Nick Wisdom. Is he late with his period? Shut the fuck up, assholes. How's it going, Nick? Oh, terrible. You made it. Your timing is perfect because we were just wrapping up. Just wrapping up? What is this, a 20-minute long show? Just an hour and a half, man. All right. (laughs) We're efficient. Yeah, no, just uh, got out of work here in Vegas for after a very long day. Craziness. We already told them what you do professionally, yeah. so oh, don't worry about it. Yeah. I'm not even going to ask. I'm just going to wait to hear the episode. Are you going to record some news for us this week? I am, and I don't have it ready right now, so it's going to be remote news. Yeah, we... Um, it's all right. We, we already responded to it news. anyway, so we're good. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, that cool, that cool thing, thing is that he talked about. pretty neat stuff they talked about, and, and it's, it's newer than the last one, so that's awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. We didn't know Nick Maxwell was doing that this week. <laughs> Mikado again. <laughs> you can pretty much count on that solidly. <laughs> right? So I'm glad you joined us, Nick, and uh, because we, we just had a lengthy conversation and the name of the, the the topic was we were talking about that post that we'd been talking about in our face group chat um we all kind of gave our thoughts on it. what are your what are your thoughts on these tools that people are employing to uh you know i don't know not uh, themselves lie not crash i th- i'm not exactly sure what the end goal here is you know well exactly right i mean the goal is to be successful and stay in the hobby uh i think are the goals and i think You know, I went through this mental debate when I was reviewing some of those GPS helicopters uh, as to what I really thought about them. And did I think they were a gimmick and were they bad for learning? And so that sort of early on took me on this journey of, of what is the right first helicopter? And honestly, I think the answer is it depends. So I think there's a place for all of these tools, whether it's a GPS helicopter that you push a button and it lands itself, whether it's Mikado's flight trainer which is, I think, one of the best situations for a beginner where it goes from fully supported, it'll take off and land for you, to full control uh, in the whole gambit. It's not GPS-based, but it uses its landing pad as, as an anchor point. But, you know, I know there's guys that are, that are like, I learned on a fly bar with mechanical setup and blah, 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 uphill both ways in the snow. But you know what? If there's a guy out there that needs a GPS-based helicopter to build some confidence and that's his gateway drug into the hobby... Like, who are we to say that that's wrong? Or if there's, you know, my path into the hobby using and micro helis, I started using the self-level features. And I, you know, I, going back to my journey into, into model airplanes and sailplanes, I used to do a lot of tricks, even with basic sailplanes in the radio with mixes to teach myself skills. So even with an early sailplane with just rudder and elevator, I still put rudder on the left stick, even though in that situation, it usually goes on the right stick because it's your primary turning like ailerons. Because I knew that when I got to a full house sailplane, 
I needed to know how to use the rudder with my left thumb. And I, I think it's really about building those fundamental skills. So if you use yeah. a self-leveling helicopter, because it gives you the confidence to take off for the first time and, you know, literally just add a little collective and lift the helicopter off, get it into a stable hover without juggling all of the controls at once. You know, I, th- I don't think there's any harm in that as long as you understand some basic, some basic tenets, which is that self-level or GPS-based helicopters are stepping stones. They're, you know, understand what they are. Yes. Like, that's not the end-all, be-all. Understand that that's just, it's something you, ha- if you're interested in flying 3D, and if, if all you're interested in doing is flying a GPS helicopter and that's fun for you, great, more power to you. Like, have fun. But if you want to learn to fly a 3D helicopter, then you have to understand that self-level is just a gateway. It's to get you through your initial hovers. It's to not crash your brand new helicopter, especially if you're learning by yourself, which obviously we don't recommend is the best way, but it is a way I did it. Uh, it just lets mm-hmm. you have a few successful first flights. And it's also lets you turn the helicopter nose in towards you, which is terrifying the first time you do it. If you all can remember back that far, like, and when you do it with self level yeah. on, and really at this point, all you're really working on is understanding the drift of the helicopter, right? So you don't have to do a lot of corrections, but you can understand that if you pull back elevator, it's going to go, you know, away from you. Uh, you can understand as you change the direction with rudder that the nose is pointing, you know, how that relationship works. And if you do all that with self-level until you get confident, honestly, I think a lot of people get bored. Then the very next step is to turn off self-level. And if you've done the work in the sim to learn your basic orientations, yes. as terrifying as I remember that moment being, it was really easy. After I flipped off self-level and took off for the first time, I was like, huh, like I was terrified and this is simple. Like it actually almost flies a little better, honestly, out of self-level than it does. But I use self-level as as a confidence builder. You know, as far as GPS goes, I'm not as big a fan of GPS helis, but I think there's a place. And I think if they bring people joy or maybe someone who's a little bit older in the hobby, it makes them feel a little safer having returned to home or flying a scale helicopter. A lot of the scale guys love these GPS flight controllers. I don't get it, but I think they're better builders than flyers. Um, Sorry, scale guys. Not all of you, just a few. (laughs) Just pissed off a few people. Sorry. Uh, But like not the serious scale guys. Yeah, the serious scale guys all fly. Because you can't fly a scale an auto level like it it looks herky-jerky it's not smooth it doesn't look scale so like i just wanted to make it made a comment based on what you said you said if you want to learn to fly 3d quote and you went off talking about you know getting out of auto level i really honestly believe it's if you want to learn how to fly f3c f3n scale accurately 3d accurately sport flying anything that involves more of a precise control you gotta get out of percent Yeah, as soon as you can. Yeah, maybe right after that initial confidence phase, then do all the regular learning after yeah. with it off. And you know? I'm sure you guys covered this, but uh, and apologies if you did. But you know, a helicopter that has auto level as a feature can become a rescue of sorts on a, on a momentary switch. So there, you know, there's benefits to it. But if you use it as a crutch, it's going to hold back your learning massively. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about both sides of that story, how people would actually fly with using rescue as part of their flight routine and people that would just really casually uh, use that as uh, the pillow, so to speak, and how it could go south. You know, I mean, when in the end, you know, I mean, I think in the back of people's minds, you kind of remember how dangerous these helis can be. But, you know, think about it this way, like if you had a helicopter sitting there in the air, you know, 15, 20 feet away from you hovering. In my mind, like, and maybe I've been flying them for a while, 
they're still dangerous, but you still have this feeling that they're not as dangerous as say the lawnmower sitting right next to you with the deck, the side deck, little shooter hopper thing open. Uh, everybody already instinctively knows how dangerous it is to be around something like that. Granted, in the lawnmower, the blade is metal. But the point is, we had talked earlier, like, what if there's a glitch? What if you come out of rescue mode in the wrong orientation and it sends it flying right at you? That's basically like a lawnmower deck coming right at your face or your body. You know what I mean? So it's you have to have that core respect for the the seriousness of the machine you're flying around. You know, how seriously complicated and potentially dangerous it is uh, it's powerful you know and um to treat them as a plug and play flip the switch kind of a um experience is especially with the medium size and larger birds it's not the the right mindset to come into the hobby with maybe as an initial gateway to get you uh, to understand what it's really like behind the sticks but you got to get out of there quick so you learn through almost through fear you know, i would say that healthy respect, you know, you got to have Actually, it that's in interesting. There. You bring up size. Uh, I do think that auto level serves just about no purpose in anything bigger than say a 200 size. Like I think in micros, it's great to build confidence, but yeah. I don't, you know, in a 380, five, certainly not in a 500 or a 700, they're so stable on their own. You don't need it. Uh, but I, I wouldn't do it on a bigger helicopter. Bad juju yeah, up there. I man. agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, you know, and it comes right down to it's it's a hobby. And however you choose to do it, as long as you're doing it safely and not endangering anybody, obviously, more power to you. Uh, yeah. These are just opinions. Take it for what it's worth. Totally. It's all about being happy, right? Find happiness oh. in your hobby. Whatever that is for you. As long as it's safe, who cares? Yeah. Which means even if you're in auto level, that helicopter should be 30 feet out in front of you and three mistakes high when you're flying it around when you're first starting out. Scott, mm-hmm. do you know what three mistakes yeah. high means? That's three millimeters uh, for Scott. High level, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> three mistakes <laughs> high is eye level. <laughs> the beans, the top of the corn stalks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One mistake high is about three inches. <laughs> One and a half blinks is all it takes. Scott well, Nick, a, thanks for joining us. Kind of, oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, Scott puts a return spring on throttle hold. <laughs> <laughs> what, you know what? so you mean to like yeah, make so, it come so your back radio is dance? constantly trying to go into yeah. hold because it knows it's about to crash so as soon as your hands relax and you go oh shit oh. <laughs> it just does that itself yeah oh, yep. sorry Dan that's alright well Nick thanks for joining us I know this is uh, kind of a quick one for you but uh, it's just kind of the way it worked out we're going to wrap this one up before we do that how do I get in touch with you Nick if I uh, thought maybe I wanted to do that well, if you want to shame me for not being on the last, I don't know how many episodes, you can reach me at uh, nickwisdom at rchnv3.com. How about you, Scott? Uh, if you fly with auto level, you can reach me at nobody <laughs> at rchnv3.com. Or if you're a normal pilot, you can reach me at scott at rchnv3. <laughs> I'm Dan. You can reach me at dan at rchnv3.com. Devin, you can reach him at devin at rchnv3.com. He's uh, busy working this week, probably. Probably won't hear much from Devin over the next couple weeks. He's been, he's going to be pretty damn busy with his job, uh, at least for the next few weeks. So we'll uh, play that by ear. Oh, and Check I sneak in. Page. Sure. Sorry, sure, I want to sure. sneak in before you get to Rob. One quick thing. I'm definitely going to the Dragonfly Funfly now, which is coming up at the end of this month, weekend of the 24th in East Bend, North Carolina. You should be there too. And if you are there, come and say hi. Yes. Yeah, buddy. 
Unless you fly out of level. <laughs> Don't bother saying hi. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Devin, I think we gave his email. And uh, last but not least, Rob, if I wanted to get in touch with you. How could I do that? Uh, Daniel Sen. Well, um, I hope you like cheese. I love cheese. Great. Perfect. Because what I want you to do, listeners, if you want to get a hold of me, is you have to reach out to the Sheboygan County Cheesemakers Association in Plymouth, Wisconsin, and get them to make you a bust of uh, our a good friend Daniel Reed's head. Um, but you have to make the bust extra bald. That way there's room for them to etch your question into the back of his cheese head. Um, and then you could ship that to him. He can enjoy uh, eating his own face in cheese. Um, and then he could read that message and at his leisure or when he's full, um, uh, tell me what the message is and I'll reply. Um, but if you are lactose intolerant and that's scary, um, or uh, you uh, uh, have a cheese fetish and you'd probably just ship it to yourself, um, you could just email me at rob at rchnv3.com. Uh, hit me up on Facebook at NextGenRCFB, Instagram at NextGenRC, or YouTube.com slash NextGenRC. Excellent. Alrighty, guys. Well, we sure hope you enjoyed listening to this no. episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. Rescue start. <laughs> <laughs> Pyro flip enabled. <laughs>